Um, well, good morning, Spirit of Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is good to be with you all, as always. Um, always uh, am very grateful to uh, be able to share with you all. Um, this past week has been a whirlwind for me because I officially completed my first year of teaching high school Bible at Lansing Christian. <laughs> Woo, and I survived, and I'm here to tell the story. <laughs> uh, but over, overall, the Lord has been good. He has been kind to me. I have been sleeping a lot. <laughs> my mind is, feels like it's fried. Um, and... Uh, I, but I am grateful for the Lord. I, I think this past season has been a season in which uh, I, I can look back just a little bit as I've been reflecting over the past couple of days and seeing, oh, Lord, you planned this thing out because there's no way I would have chosen this for myself. <laughs> I, there's no way I would have. I, there, like uh, a year and two months ago, being a, a teacher in any sort of way, like, you know, in a, an official high school kind of setting was never, ever in my mind. But the Lord opened the door, sent me through it, and uh, I'm here. I'm here to tell the story. And so I've, I, I love um, what I get to do. I love teaching the Bible. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I was telling my friends the other day, I was like, man, I, I just feel like I'm just addicted to teaching the Word of God. <laughs> I, I love having the Word of God on my lips all day long. That's what I get to do. I get to talk about Jesus. I get to talk about different passages in Scripture all day, every day, and I get to pay my bills because of it. <laughs> so, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, this school year has presented some challenges, of course, because it's my first year doing this. But also, um, I, I've come up against the challenges that I think a whole entire generation are facing, whether it's with social media uh, sexuality, or whether it's just a bit with relationship, their relationship with Jesus uh, altogether. And one of the things, you know, you come into a school year kind of like this, and you don't really know what to expect. And I came in, you know, off of, you know, several prayer meetings a week and preaching and teaching often and all of these different things. And I'm coming in like, revival's coming to the school this year. And then I get hit with all of the grading and all of the lesson planning and all of these things. And I'm like, oh, man, this is a lot harder than I realize. And no matter how hard I try, it seems like some of these students don't really even care what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, and so as I'm, as, I, uh, as I'm teaching and as I've come to the end of this year, understanding what it means uh, to teach the Bible, one of the conclusions that I've come to is that there's no way I can change a generation. There is no way you can change a generation. It is by the person, the power, and the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that will change and transform a generation. And it's not like I can strong arm this thing. It's not like I can just show up one day and say, okay, revival's here. No, we. it's about this holy reverence and this awe and this waiting on the Lord for him to move. And we move when he moves. 
And that's our subject today, is talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about, especially over the past few years, because I don't know if you all have grown up like I did or kind of the, my spiritual background, but I, w- I grew up in more so of a, you know, a, a quasi-Baptist kind of background, you know, where we didn't really talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until um, I got invited to uh, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City to go to one of their youth conferences that the Lord radically met me um, and, re- and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember, I remember that moment where I just stood in the prayer room and I just said, Lord, and I was provoked. And I saw uh, young people worshiping Jesus with all of their hearts. And I said, Lord, whatever these people have, I want it. And all of a sudden, it was this power that came on me, knocked me back in my seat. I'm in a vision kind of thing, and the Lord is ministering to me and speaking to me. And I remember coming out of that encounter with a tangible flame in my heart. And it was, I knew, and, and I, you know, I, was, I came back as one of the young guys, you know, wild, fiery eyes. You know, I'm coming back to everybody talking about Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, have you guys heard? You know, like all of these different things. I was that kind of kid, you know, <laughs> after I met the Lord in that way. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is that as I've begun to know and uh, um, fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit, I realize how in need I am of him and how we all need him. <laughs> and the only way that our hearts are changed and the only way that the inside of us is changed and transformed is by the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've been in camps and I've been in ministries where, um, you know, where they kind of where they don't talk about the Holy Spirit all that much, or they don't honor him and they don't honor his presence. And then I've been on the other side of the spectrum in conferences and gatherings where everything is the Holy Spirit. And understanding who he is is intrinsic to the gospel. And so today we're just going kind of, to look at an overview. We're going to take a look at an overview of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, because I believe that we're on the cusp of a move of the Holy Spirit that will far surpass anything that the revival history books has ever seen or has ever recorded. I think the Lord is gearing us up for something, for something that is way beyond what we can think or imagine. And um, at just this is just another tip before I um, uh, say a prayer we dive into today. But uh, the Asbury revival that happened this year. I don't know if you all have know the, the rhythm and the pattern of the Asbury revival in uh, times past. But the Asbury revival, a uh, part of uh, one of one of the one of the moves that happened at the Asbury University, Asbury College. I don't know what it was called back then. But one of the first ones was during the Azusa Street Revival. And that, that, that took place in California, took the world by storm. And then another one was right before the Jesus movement happened. And, you know, and there have been several other movements like that. But I think that the Lord in his timing gives us indicators that something is up, that something is happening, and it's about understanding what God is doing, who he is, and how he moves. 
And so we're just going to take a look at an overview of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I like, always like to have notes in front of you and, uh, so that you guys can follow along with what, I'm, with what I'm reading and what I have here and what I put together. Um, and we won't go through all of them, but we're just going to talk. Uh, what I really want to land on is the back, the nature of the Holy Spirit's ministry and the goals of his ministry. But I want to set this thing up first. So I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and then we'll dive right in, all right? <clears throat> Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we say thank you, Lord. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our redemption, for our reconciliation, that we may become righteous by his blood and by faith in him. So, Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts by, uh, by your power, by the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we honor and we recognize your presence. We recognize who you are. Lord, we, we honor you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we say, would you point us to Jesus this morning? And would you reveal him all the more in our hearts? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm picking up in the introduction here. And this is, uh, in, uh, this is kind of like a short, abridged version. I took my sophomores through kind of what we're talking about today. I mean, I love talking about this. But the subject of the person and work of the Holy Spirit is vast and multifaceted because he is the third person of the Trinity. That's the first thing that we have to recognize is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. In 2 Corinthians uh, 3, it says, now the Spirit is the Lord. And we have to understand, and I know that a lot of the familiar. I know a lot of this stuff is familiar to a lot of us, and many of us could probably teach seminars and classes and, you know, teach a sermon, preach a sermon on who the Holy Spirit is, but it's always good to go back to the basics. It's always good to go back to just the simple, the simplicity of who is the person of the Holy Spirit, and he is the third person of the Trinity. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit. And today we're looking at an overview of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, because knowing and obeying him is essential to the gospel. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross and was resurrected by the power of the Spirit, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And do you know what he said to his disciples in the upper room discourse? He said, it's actually better that I go so that the Holy Spirit could come. And, you know, the, the, the disciples probably like, Jesus, what do you mean? It's way better if you're just with us, you know, <laughs> just hang out with us still. He says, no, you don't understand it is better that I go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come because that means I'm no longer just with you in your presence. I'm on the inside of you. <laughs> he says, it's way better that I go. You, you want me to hang out with you? I will hang out with you forever and I will be wherever you go because my spirit will be on the inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and knowing and obeying him is essential to the gospel. And as the church, 
We have to honor the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to. This, he, he's not somebody that we can just kind of put away and just go on, you know, our life and just living life just the way that we want to live. We have to pay attention to and honor the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so this is Roman numeral number one here, uh, talking about the Spirit's personhood, right, who he is. And so first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is part of the eternal Godhead. I mentioned that already, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the doctrine, this is called the Trinity. This is called Trinitarian theology. And uh, this is what really Orthodox Christianity in regards to um, beliefs, this is what we adhere to. The doctrine of the Trinity can be described in three phrases. Number one is that God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Number two is that each person is fully God. The Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God. But here's the kicker, is that there's one God. <laughs> We're not talking about tritheism. We're talking about monotheism, right? And the thing is, you know, we'll sit there and be like, hmm, how, how can I make sense of this? Well, the point is, don't make, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's, a, it's a holy mystery, right? That there is three persons in the Godhead. Each person is fully God, but there's one God. You know, it's like, whoa, what, what is, and it, it's, we're, that's, it's supposed to, we're supposed to be in awe. It's wow. Oh my goodness. That, that this is who God is. And so we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. But this is also something that I uh, I, I am I'm very adamant about, especially with my with my sophomores, um, as I took them through really like a four week course on who the Holy Spirit is. Is number is uh, paragraph B, the Holy Spirit's nature, is that pop culture and media, uh, you know, such as Star Wars, has had an uh, an immense influence on how believers view the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. But the truth of the matter is this, is that the Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person with a mind, will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit is not the force. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they're like, well... You know, I, th I, you know, it's like I think, I think that the Holy Spirit, I mean, is like the force, and I, and I was like, I was like, let me give you five reasons. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm so adamant about this. I'm just gonna give you guys just quickly five reasons. I said, one, number one is that the Holy Spirit is real. The force is not real. You want to know how? You want to know? Because I know that you all, when you watch Star Wars for the first time, Luke Skywalker, you know, f making things float, you went home, saw the remote across the room, and you said, mm, let me try and pick this thing up. And 100%, it did not work. You want to know why? It's because the force is not real. The Holy Spirit is. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is real, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The force is not God in the Star Wars universe. And number, uh, number three is that the Holy Spirit cannot be manipulated. The force is manipulated. You can manipulate the force to levitate things or whatever it is. 
you cannot manipulate the Holy Spirit. He is the Lord. He is the Spirit of God. You cannot manipulate God. And the Holy Spirit, he's personal. The force is impersonal. The Holy Spirit's inside of us. The force is outside of people in the Star Wars universe. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a real person. He's a real person with a mind, will, and emotions. And he has several names throughout the scriptures. That's paragraph C. I'm not going to go through them, but, you know, you have the spirit of truth, the spirit of life, spirit of grace, so on and so forth. But this is another kicker here, is that because the Holy Spirit is a real person, that means he has a real personality, mind, will, and emotions. And because he's a real person with a real personality, that means he has a real presence. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God on the inside of us and with us. I don't know if you all have ever been in meetings before, just, you know, whether it's at work or, you know, in the home or whatever it may be, with somebody with like a strong personality, you know, and they're, they may be late to the meeting or they may be late to the classroom or they may be late to whatever. And, you know, everything's kind of, you know, going along. But then that person steps in the room and it changes the dynamic of what's going on in the vicinity. It's kind of like the same thing with the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit, because he's God, he's omnipresent meaning that he's everywhere at once. But I think that there's a distinction when somebody is omnipresent or he, you know, in the room and you actually recognize that the person is in the room. It's like, oh my goodness, the dynamic in this room is changed because the Lord is here. The Lord is here. And one of the things that um, I'm really, I, I, that I've, I've fallen in love with is um, understanding the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in his presence. And understanding uh, and this guy named Brother Lawrence, he called this practicing the presence of God. Understanding that God is with us all the time, all the day long. And so understanding that the Holy Spirit has a real presence. And as we understand the Holy Spirit's presence we'll begin to know his voice uh, a little more and understanding how he talks, understanding how he um, ministers to our hearts. Okay, so that's just, I just wanted to talk just a little bit about how the Holy Spirit is a, an actual person, right? He's not, he's not an it, he's not the force, he's not some uh, thing out there that's just kind of, in the realm of existence or whatever, he is God himself. He is God himself, the Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit, he does, uh, there, there are so many things that he does, and I'm just gonna run, run through these really, really quick. This is Roman numeral two. There are so many things that the Holy Spirit does, and um, what I did with uh, my sophomore class is I uh, took hundreds of verses, because I have a little concordance, right? Or not little, is thick concordance that has every word, uh, every place where the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the scriptures. And I took hundreds of verses and I collected all of them. And so each one of these I can spend an hour on le legitimately. Um, but I won't, obviously I won't do that because <laughs> we'll be here until dinner time. Um, but the Holy Spirit, there are so many things that he does. And I categorized 
uh, his work in just in about five different categories in what he does. And the first, one of the first things that he does is that he gives life. That is the very essence of who the Holy Spirit is, and that's what we're about to get to in a little bit, is that he gives life, physical and spiritual life. You know, the scriptures say that if the Lord were to remove his spirit from the earth, if he were to remove his spirit just in any kind of way, we would all drop dead like that. Because the Holy Spirit gives us our very breath. Go ahead and take a breath with me. That is the grace of God for you to breathe. And the Holy Spirit sustains that breath. When you're asleep, when you're awake, when you're running and huffing and puffing, he sustains that breath. But not only does the Holy Spirit give just the common grace of God for physical life, but when we place our faith in Jesus and when we, are, when we, when we actually uh, come to the Lord Jesus and understand that, oh, he's the Messiah, placing my faith in him, that the Holy Spirit actually, he applies the work of redemption to our internal life and he regenerates us or we become born again. That's the work of the Holy Spirit is to give us spiritual life because when we came into this world, when we were born into this world, our spirits were dead to God in sin and it is only by and through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit that anyone is born again. That there is no other way to gain spiritual life outside of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So he gives us spiritual life, but also the Holy Spirit brings us into fellowship with God and he brings us into fellowship with one another as the church. And that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. But the third thing in paragraph C is that the Holy Spirit, he's the one who is responsible for our spiritual maturity is that as we agree, we have, to, we have to actually agree with the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our is that when he convicts us, don't tell that lie, don't steal, honor the people around you. We have to actually agree with his work on the inside of us because we can actually resist the work of the Holy Spirit as believers, which should not be. But he's the one who gives, who, get, who grows us in our spiritual maturity. But this is one of my favorite subjects, too, is that paragraph D, is that the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual power. Is that when we minister to people, when we do ministry, you know, whether it's at, you know, in the marketplace or whether it's on the streets of East Lansing or whatever it may be, is that we must be empowered. We have to be. We, and the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us to do the work of the kingdom of God in, uh, in, our, uh, in, what he's, in the ministry that he's given to us. And receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father that we may be witnesses for Christ. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit helps us in spiritual warfare, that there are three arenas of warfare for the believer. Number one, we, there's the flesh. Number two is warfare with the world. And number three is, the war, is warfare with Satan and his demons. But the good news is that the scriptures tell us that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Is that 
our flesh, the Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome. Is that in the world, the, the, the people who um, uh, uh, hate believers and hate Christians and persecute believers and persecute Christians, the Holy Spirit empowers us to persevere, to endure, and to uh, move forward and to overcome against any attack of the enemy. And it's imperative that as believers, as Christians, we understand the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, flip the page there on the back. And this is the nature of the Holy Spirit's ministry. And this is glorious because did you know the Holy Spirit has a ministry? <laughs> that he has a ministry and he loves to minister. And there's this passage in 2 Corinthians 3. And I'm just going to ask that if you guys have a copy of the scriptures, turn there. We're going to 2 Corinthians 3. And I'm just going to read verses 5 through 11. Because there's a distinction between the ministry of Moses, and, uh, which is the old covenant, and the ministry of the spirit, which is the new covenant. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And this passage is glorious. It's glorious. Because... Paul, the apostle, takes a little bit of time, and he talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. He says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He says, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away with glory much more that which remains is in glory. Now, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of scripture there. Let me just tell you basically what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, he's like, you know that guy Moses? Remember, remember those stories that you heard about Moses? How he split, you know, how God, he raised his staff, God split that sea. And then, you know, those moments where he hit the rock and water came out and how manna and quail came out of just basically thin air. And he says, you know how Moses went up to the mountain and he was up there 40 days and 40 nights and he came down with two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. He's like, you know, that's, you know that? He's like, that ministry was a ministry of death. He says what Moses gave to the people was not life, it was actually death. Because what the Ten Commandments did and what the Ten Commandments do is it puts a mirror in front of humanity and we say, oh, I'm guilty. 
I have broken every single one of these commands, I'm guilty. I'm condemned because the law that the Lord established, the law that God set up, that the, the, the law that God put in place, I was not able to fulfill. I cannot, I cannot be righteous in and of myself, but this law here makes me, makes, makes me realize I need a redeemer. This law makes me realize I need help because I, I, have, I, I cannot fulfill the words of this law. And so the, the ministry that Moses had, though it was glorious, though there was a mighty manifestation of God's power in uh, Moses' ministry, it was a ministry of death and condemnation. The law was a ministry of death and condemnation. And it condemned us for our sins. And the law showed God's righteousness and our sinfulness. And Moses, he, he emphasized the human heart in, in all of his ministry. He was like, guys, guard your heart. When you go into the land, don't, don't allow your heart to slip and worship other gods. But the truth of the matter was that the law and the words engraved on stone were not able to reach the human heart. Moses' ministry could not change our, uh, what was going on inside of us. The law could not change and give us a new heart. And therefore, God spoke through the prophets and he says, I'm going to make a new covenant one day. I'm going to make a new covenant. And in that new covenant, I am going to change the human heart. Moses' ministry wasn't able to do it. But the ministry of the spirit will. <laughs> and so Paul, he talks about, he says in the new covenant, uh, he's, he says, uh, and I have it here in the notes, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, this is paragraph B under Roman numeral 3. He, sa uh, he says, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. He says, will not the spirit, will not the ministry of the spirit have even more glory? And he says, and he talks about the ministry, the spirit's ministry is the ministry of righteousness. And this is, this is so, this is glorious and it's good news because the new covenant, the spirit's ministry is a ministry of life, giving eternal life to all who believe in Jesus the Holy Spirit's ministry is centered around revealing Jesus as Messiah, the only way to the Father. It's that the Holy Spirit's ministry is not a ministry of condemnation. The Holy Spirit's ministry is not a ministry of death. The Holy Spirit's work and ministry is to give life and reveal righteousness. And do you know what Paul says? This is glorious. He says, the ministry of Moses was glorious, but he says the ministry of the Spirit far surpasses it. And when we look at the ministry of the Spirit and we compare it to the ministry of Moses, he says Moses' ministry looks like it has no glory because the ministry of the Spirit is far more glorious because Moses' ministry condemned and gave death. But the ministry of the Spirit gives righteousness, life, and faith in, in the, in, and peace in being reconciled back to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, it's glorious. It's a, as a whole, uh, the, the ministry of the Spirit has a, a fundamentally different uh, 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 centrality and focus to it. And the glorious news is this, is that we, as believers, get to partner with the Holy Spirit. We get to partner with his ministry. The Holy Spirit's ministry is not a ministry of condemnation and death. It's a ministry of righteousness and life. And you know what that means? Our ministry, when we minister to people, our ministry is not a ministry of condemnation and death. Our ministry is a ministry of righteousness, life, and reconciliation. That what we preach, we don't just go around preaching hell, condemnation, judgment, and all of those things. We get to be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God by the work and the mediator, the man Christ Jesus. And that's literally what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are not messengers of death but we're messengers of life. People who preach the gospel, people who preach reconciliation to God through the mediator, the man, Christ Jesus, and we get to partner with the Holy Spirit in his ministry in the earth. We're ministers of life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm going to end with this here. It's the goals of the Holy Spirit's ministry, and this is Roman numeral four. The first goal of the Holy Spirit in anything and in everything that he does is to glorify Jesus. It's to glorify Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says in John 15 and 16. He says, but when the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit comes, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He says, he, talking about the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so as real ministers of the Holy Spirit, real Christians who are anointed by the Holy Spirit, our ministry is not to point to ourselves and see, oh, this is how anointed I am or this is how special I am. It's about saying, look at the anointed one. Look at the Christ. Look at Jesus. That the life that we live and the message that we preach, the words that we say point always back to the man Christ Jesus. And so when we partner with the Holy Spirit, his first and primary aim is to is to glorify Jesus. <clears throat> and uh, the Holy Spirit's always witnessing about Jesus because Jesus is the Holy Spirit's favorite subject to talk about. So his first goal is to glorify the Lord Jesus. And his second goal is to edify the church. Glorify Jesus and edify the church. And he's the one who empowers us. He encourages us, strengthens us. He leads us and he teaches us what it means to minister, to be witnesses to the people around us. And the truth of the matter is that the church must value and emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit in our ministry. And like I said at the beginning, we can't strong arm this thing. It, it, you know, we, we, we can't force anything. It is 
the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and he moves sovereignly. He does what he does when he wants to do it as he pleases, and it's always pleasing to the Lord. And we can't just go around saying, you know, the, you know we, we, have to, we have to understand and be sensitive to and not run ahead of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who leads us. He's the one who guides us. He's, the, he's our helper. He's the one who's witnessing about Jesus, and we get to partner with him. And he gives us power to do it. He gives us gifts. He gives gifts to the church um, as, we, as we do this thing. And then lastly, the, uh, the third goal of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. It's to convict the world. It's, to, it's not our job and our responsibility. I mean, yes, we have a responsibility to witness. We have a responsibility to be faithful, to preach and declare the gospel. But it is the Holy Spirit who, ooh, you know, gets to the heart where, where it's, you know, somebody hears the gospel message or somebody hears, you know, you're in a conversation with somebody and it's he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right? That's, what, that's what Jesus says in John 16, 8. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment that no person, that no person would be exempt from uh, saying when they stand before the Lord that there is this witness that has happened on the earth by the Holy Spirit because he's the one that says, you know that gospel message that you heard about Jesus? It's true. It's true. It's right. It's the only way. He is the only way to eternal life. And there are two responses that people can have. There's no in-between on this thing. It's either you reject the Holy Spirit and his work or you yield and you say, my life is yours, Jesus. Help me. <laughs> there are really only two responses to the conviction, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And his job is to convict the world. You know, when Peter preached that message on the day of Pentecost, and it said that 3,000 were pierced to the heart, and they asked the question, Lord, what do we do? Or they, they, what do we do? And he, and he says, repent, be baptized, and save yourselves from this wicked generation. That was the power of the Holy Spirit convicting the people. And so our job is to be faithful witnesses. That is our job as believers, right? Because in John 15 and 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will bear witness about me. And he says, and you will bear witness about me. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is already witnessing and ministering to people about who Jesus is. And we get to partner with him and speak faithfully when he opens the door. So that when we, when we preach the word, when we preach the message, there's power on it. People are pierced to the heart and the veil is taken off of their face and they see Jesus for who he is as the Messiah, as the Redeemer, as the Son of God, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. And so this is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many other things that we could talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. But what I wanted to get at today is that the Holy Spirit gives life. 
is that the Holy Spirit is the one who points us to Jesus, and he's the one who dwells on the inside of all who have confessed and believed upon Jesus. And he gives us new life, and we get to be ministers of life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand, and we're going to close here. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit just simply to move upon our hearts, to move upon our minds. And receiving the Holy Spirit's ministry is easy. And for those who who are in here, um, if you are an unbeliever, if you are someone who has not given your life to Jesus fully yet, there's there's a response today to the Holy Spirit's ministry. And that's to repent and be saved. (laughs) Repent and believe on Jesus because he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to be reconciled back to God is believing in the man Christ Jesus. And so that's the response for unbelievers. But for those of us in here who are believers, is the good news is this, is that there's always more of God in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We have not arrived, and nobody ever will arrive, because there's always more of God in the Holy Spirit. He is infinite, and so we can always have more. You know, all we have to do is, is ask. (laughs) Jesus says in Luke 11, He says, will a father give a kid, you know, a stone or a scorpion if he asks for an egg or a loaf of bread? He says, no. He says, how much more will the father give of his Holy Spirit to those who ask? So I'm just going to ask the Lord. And I want you guys to ask with me. Just ask for more. Just ask the Lord for more of himself in the Holy Spirit. He loves to answer that prayer. He loves to answer that prayer. So, Father, we come before you saying thank you that it is to our advantage that Jesus is at your right hand, that we may have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. So, Lord, I'm asking even now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you give us more of your spirit? Lord, a fresh filling, a fresh baptism, a fresh... um, Uh, a, a fresh encounter, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would your power rest upon us even now? Holy Spirit, that as we go about our weeks, as we go about our days, would you open doors for us to minister alongside of you, that we would be ministers of peace, that we would be ministers of righteousness, that we would be ministers of life, that we would be ministers of reconciliation to the world. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come even now, that you would come even now and touch all of our hearts, Lord. Shine light upon our hearts, upon our minds, that we would understand who you are. Holy Spirit, that you're a real person with a mind, will, and emotions, and that you love talking about Jesus. You love pointing us to Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come even now. Just take a moment just to wait and just ask the Lord. Take a moment to wait and ask the Lord just that he would 
touch, a fresh touch on your heart, a fresh touch on your mind. us afresh would you touch us anew would you minister even now Holy Spirit would you minister even now we open our hearts we open our hearts to you thank you Lord thank you Lord <laughs> 